developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This week on the Gary Hour. Probably his most famous uh, thought experiment. It's in an essay called uh, Famine and Affluence, and it's this, this concept of the shallow pools. So it's the idea that um, if you were walking down the street and you saw a child drowning in a, in a shallow pool, and you could kind of step in and, and save this child, you'd be required to. He pointed out that, that you know, the, where we are now, when we know so much about the world, and we, you know, we know that there are children that are effectively in the same position, and that for uh, a nominal amount of money, we could save someone from dying. G, 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 take me away. Welcome to episode 93 of the Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talk to Chris Corliss, who is one of the members of a group, or shall I say movement, called Effective Altruism. I came out of this conversation feeling less guilty than I thought I was going to feel, and actually pretty hopeful. So I hope you get the same effect. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a musician, a podcaster, voiceover artist, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments because they have an app that'll make your life easier and your production so much better. Okay, thank you for listening. And for those of you that left some new reviews, that is awesome. Please do that. And uh, enjoy. Chris Corliss. How are we yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, you are Chris, right? <laughs> awesome. So you're involved with this group called Effective Altruism. Uh, yeah, that's right. Organization, should I say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people uh, refer to it as, as a movement. So uh, you can think of it as analogous to something like uh, feminism, where there's no you know, strict organizational structure. There's no, you know, declared leader or anything like that. It's uh, a group of people that share, you know, common beliefs and are active in trying to promote those. Uh-huh. Are you looking to take over? 
Uh, you know, I, I, t I, I made a stab, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so effective altruism. I'm just going to read a little bit off of Wikipedia okay. to give listeners a definition. So it says on Wikipedia, and you can correct this if wrong, because apparently anyone could post anything on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it says effective altruism is a philosophy and social movement that uses evidence and reasoning to determine the most effective ways to benefit others. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and I, I think there's a component that is maybe missing there that it's, it, you know, it's f figuring those ways out and then acting on them, actually actually going ahead and doing it, you know? So it's basically a charity, but a smart charity. So I wouldn't just give my money to a crackhead that passes by me because that's probably not the best use of my charity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, the movement uh, incorporates aspects that are charity. Um, I, th I think it's not de necessarily dependent that uh, it be, or, you know, something be organized as a charity. Um, you know, I think the 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 word altru altruism and effective altruism, you know, the work that it's doing there is is basically saying that these are uh you know things that we're interested in for the benefits of others and uh to improve the world um in the best way that we can right so you want to improve the world yes yeah and so the, you know the point is like yeah there might be for profits that do that um but uh this organization is not for profit uh so i wouldn't think of it as an organization uh right there are many organizations within the umbrella movement mm -hmm. um and there are kind of central organizing groups that try to uh, figure out problems that a lot of, uh, th that have, you know, wide impact. Um, but it's a very kind of dispersed type of type of movement, um, so if what, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's all over the world, right? Uh, yeah. There's, yeah. there's meetings people can go to. Uh, yes, yeah. So, so for example, uh, you know, a good example is this uh, effective altruism NYC, um, which is kind of my entree into actually being kind of more hands-on uh, right. with effective altruism. You know, that didn't get come down from any sanctioned uh, type of uh, you know t sanctioned type of group. That was something that uh, people were interested in effective altruism, and they they said, okay, let's make a meetup group for people to get together uh, and discuss this. Right. So what's, what are some things that have been done as a result? So, you know, I think uh, if you look at early pieces of, of effective altruism, uh, I think early, early in the day uh, there was a focus that I think has shifted uh, since of people donating in the most effective way. So finding these best charities, how can I, if I have $1,000 to donate, um, how can I, how can I give that to an effective charity that's going to save the most lives or improve the most lives, um, with that money? Um, and so some of the early things that kind of got a lot of media attention were, uh, people who decided, you know, I could go and be an aid worker. I, you know, this is the kind of, I'm interested in global development, but I, you know, I actually think that, uh, if I go and be a banker, I can make more money and I could hire five aid workers, uh, in my right. stead. Um, and so, you know, that, that's something that was done very kind of early in the, in the movement. I, I like that. So that means you can work at some job. Say you don't even really enjoy being a banker, mm -hmm. but you want to give back to the world. Yeah. So you sacrifice yourself in that job in a w as a way to give 
back. So really, you know, it's good to be passionate about your job, but you might not be directly passionate about banking, mm -hmm. but you could be directly passionate about the work, the charity you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that could fuel your work. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that exactly what, is that what happens with some members? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think, like I said, the, you know, folks have, uh, moved a little bit away from that for a couple of reasons. One, it's, it's you know, it's sort of a very simplified toy model of kind of how these things work. Uh -huh. um, and it doesn't necessarily uh, think about kind of a full life cycle of someone's career where is that realistic that someone's going to spend, you know, those, those 20, 30, 40 years behind the desk at this job they hate and, and, you know, a lot of kind of the payoff at the end of that is your latent career money that you'll be donating to these charities. Um, so it, it's it's definitely something that uh, I think it captures a, a couple things that are somewhat core to the the movement, which is really separating the way that you are approaching helping people from the help that you're giving them and. Just to kind of you know provide an example for that, I, you know I think a lot of people, if you look at a charity, they say, you know I'm what I want to do is help education globally, and I think effective altruism takes a, a step back from that and says I want to do the most good that I can globally, and right. whether that be in education or global health or um, you know some other cause areas, uh, really taking a wide open view at the you know the best thing you can do. Yeah, it could be tricky when choosing a charity. Because there's unfortunately a lot of charities that you might give a dollar and 80 cents goes to the charity yeah. to pay the CEO, to pay all the people that are working for the charity. Mm -hmm. And then by the time that money trickles down, there's 20, 20 cents going to the actual people you thought you were giving to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, and I think... You know, so they have groups out there like, you know, like Charity Navigator. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. What's but, Charity Navigator? Uh, you know, this is uh, kind of a... Charity evaluation, let's call it 1.0, where they they provide some sort of star rating to sh to see how much is spent on overhead and oh. how much is spent on. Is there an app that people can kind of pull up and see? Uh, they, I would not recommend that <laughs> that one. <laughs> <laughs> do too much into because the app costs money. <laughs> well, well, well. Here, here's where I'm getting with this is that. Um, so that all that overhead, you know, definitely is an aspect of loss. So if they're using it for marketing, but um, one kind of crucial crucial consideration is is that some of the actual cause areas are so much more effective um, than others that you could waste ninety five percent of the money on overhead and still do more good with with your money. And so the the kind of cornerstone uh, charity evaluator within effective altruism is a group called GiveWell. Mm -hmm. These guys um, were working at a um, at a hedge fund, uh, Bridgewater, yeah, and they were looking for places to donate and and get ev you know get evidence backed donations to you know with their with their bonuses at the end of the year, and they were online and they said you know there's really not any good information that's really going to tell us what what actually happens with the money and what act what are the actual end results of this right um, and so they effectively left the the hedge fund and, and started this evaluator. Um, which analyzes charities kind of in a similar way to really look at impact um, as the you know the main criteria. Right, that's called give well. Give well, yes. So, so these all, guys, all one word, all one. Yeah. So these guys, how modern? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so these guys must have taken a big pay cut, huh? They went from a hedge fund to. I don't. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I gotta imagine there some of their friends from work are, are uh, living a little higher than they are. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> um, how did you get involved with this? 
you know, I think when you talk to people who are involved with effective altruism, a lot of them will say that this is sort of a way that they've thought for a long time and that that uh, hearing about this was really just putting a name to something that they had already thought and were already, yeah, a way that they were, uh, you know, already thinking of the world. So right, it just kind of simplified it and like effect, kind of Yeah, effective altruism. It's like, oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's what I believe, yeah. Right. Um, so I, 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 let's see, like my background, I went to uh, Wisconsin and I uh, studied economics and I was interested in, you know, some of the ways of, you know, measuring how uh, the world has gotten better and how uh, different, uh, you know, different things like technologies and capital investment are able to build up and, you know, make, uh, make it so we don't have to dig ditches and we can just do podcasts these days, you know, so they, you know, these <laughs> things are making the world better. Right. Um, you could say I'm doing my part right now. You, by you're putting really, this out there. seriously, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't really feel like getting on a plane and going to dig a ditch in some country. <laughs> I mean, there might not be Wi Fi in that country. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, definitely not this uh, great audio setup we got here. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I would never go. This is my part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, I was in interested in that. And then uh, one of the first things I think I. That, really had a, a vein of effective altruism and it was something called the Copenhagen Consensus. Uh, this was a conference that was run by the Danish environmental minister and uh, co-sponsored by The Economist magazine. And it basically got a bunch of economists together and said, let's say you had a notional uh, $100 million to invest uh, globally. What would be the best area to, to invest it? So they had uh -huh. a bunch of proposals and they ranked them. Um, and I don't know if it was through this. I, I I went back through my email, and uh, my brother, I think, was the first person to refer me to GiveWell, because um, I had talked to him about this Copenhagen consensus. Um, and so GiveWell, that charity evaluator, they then, in one of their blog posts, mentioned effective altruism. Um, that, that's how you found out about and that, it. That's, how, that's where I first heard what, about what it. What do yeah. you think uh, motivated you to even pursue charity work? Uh, I mean, I always joke it's the, the old ex-Catholic guilt, you know. <laughs> uh, raised Catholic? Uh, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think it's, you know, these types of, types of uh, you know, frameworks that you get as a, as a kid for thinking about, you know, what's important in life and uh, what does it mean to be a good person and, um, you know, having uh, those types of discussions with, you know, my brother or friends, just kind of these long, long walks of, you know, arguing and, uh, you know, walking along in the woods, just arguing with each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These types of things are kind of, uh, I think the source of, you know, where that comes from. Cause I don't feel like it's, it is very mainstream America to even think about charity. Mm. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, I think people give a lot. I mean, they, uh, you know, I think a lot of it, if you, if you look at, you know, stuff that goes to churches and goes to local health organizations or goes to, you know, the bake sale and things like that, you know, there, it, it's out there in, uh, in society. It's, so maybe it's just my friends. It's by, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think New York. No, they don't care about that. It's like, they're, they're not trying to hear that, man. <laughs> yeah. New York is not really there. I mean, America, United States in general is like work, work, work and amass a wealth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I didn't, unless I grew up, unless you grew up religious, you kind of don't hear too much about charity. Mm. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, and it doesn't have to be bound with religion. No, no. I mean, I think it's it's something that uh, it almost is 
intractably bound with some things that feels like religion. When you when you start having these conversations, there's just these really deep-seated beliefs, you know, that you're touching on. And that's one of the things I think is most interesting about being involved with effective altruism is that uh, you meet people who have really thought long and hard about a lot of uh, philosophical and practical issues that never really crossed your mind, you know? Right. And so every time you're talking to someone, they have some new uh, kind of kind of insight. But that, you know, that's very challenging. And, you know, when I, when I talk to my friends sometimes, you'll get in, you know, these arguments where one guy's arguing with you about, you know, something about Kantian thing, which negates my theory, and somebody else says that aid doesn't work in Africa, and somebody else says... Uh, you know, somebody else says give local and, you know, you're having these five different, you know, arguments at the same time. And, right, uh, right. It's almost like uh, instead of religious wars, if everyone was atheist, they'd be fighting over who is more atheist. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so effective altruism is uh, basically it's a philosophy. Uh, yeah, there are aspects of philosophy to it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's founded by uh, philosophers. Um, I read so Will. Uh, go ahead. Peter Singer? Yeah, P Peter Singer is kind of the uh, intellectual godfather of the movement, um, let's call it. So one of his, uh, probably his most famous uh, thought experiment, it's in an essay called uh, Famine and Affluence, and it's this, this concept of the shallow pools. So it's the idea that um, if you were walking down the street and you saw a child drowning in a, in a shallow pool, and you could kind of step in and, and save this child, you'd be required to. Uh, right. Even if you were walking down the street and you were going to an important interview and you were late for, for the interview and you had expensive shoes on or a suit and you were going to ruin that, you couldn't say, well, you know, I was pretty late. I didn't really want to save this drowning child. And know? we've actually, governments have made a law that you would have to. In, yeah, I think in certain, certain jurisdictions, yes. You yeah, if to, you yeah. didn't, you could be brought up on manslaughter or whatever the charge would be. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so he pointed out that, that, you know, the, where we are now, when we know so much about the world and we, you know, we know that there are children that are effectively in the same position and that for, uh, a nominal amount of money, we could save someone from dying. Like we oh. could save a child from dying. Yikes. And so, you know, is there a way to justify that, uh, that we would be, you know, have to save this child if it's right next to us and then versus, uh, you know, this child you know, potentially in a developing country. Oof, where do you draw the line? And where, yeah, and where do you draw, draw the line? Now, I, I, I tend to draw the line on we're all just evil. I mean, like, not evil, evil, but, like, you know, we're all, we're all falling short of our, of what we should be doing. Um, you do feel that way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I th feel like I've just, uh, I, I don't know how much I've come to terms with it versus just ignore it, but, you know, there's, uh, you know, I think, I have a tough time rationalizing uh, that thought experiment in any other way, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, and it's interesting that this came up here because we're pretty much in the heart of New York City, mm. near Canal Street, and literally right outside of the window is a homeless shelter mm -hmm. or food bank or something. So especially living in New York City, there you see a different form of a baby drowning in a puddle. Mm-hmm every other block yeah and you can't live in new york city without desensitizing yourself to that and mm -hmm. you can't possibly help each and every one of them mm -hmm. there's just no, a not enough time maybe there's not enough money and there's a lot of times there's nothing you can do about it 
Well, yeah, and I think that's I think that's definitely true. I mean, I think one of the things that blows my mind is uh, that these folks that you're seeing right outside your door are actually, you know, probably somewhere in the global middle class. You know, they're kind of like lower middle class globally, and that uh, the level of poverty that's experienced globally is just so much more, you know, more intense. Um, you know, something like. 17% of the uh, world's population, which is like a billion people, are living on uh, less than $2 a day. And this is $2 a day adjusted for, you know, the cost of living there. So it's basically what you could buy with $2 per day in New York or in an American city. Right. So what you're saying is the poorest person in the United States is still probably like a pretty wealthy person in some other countries. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's somewhat right. I mean, I think uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get too deep into that, you know, that argument because I think there are a lot of people that, well, let me say this, and this is, this will kind of key onto another concept that's, I think, really important is the type of poverty in the U.S. that's like that is, is, is not very tractable. Um, so tractability is kind of a concept that means, can we actually do something that will change that or that will have that have impact? And I think within the United States, the, the you know, the, the poverty that would be at that level is likely uh, associated with mental health issues. It's associated with substance abuse issues. It's, uh, you know, it's really kind of a tricky uh, problem. Right. Uh, whereas in the, in the developing world, you have, uh, you know, you have the, the, this poverty that just exists kind of in uh, kind of large swaths. Like and straight then, up famine kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's a lot. A lot of it's, uh, well, there's a, the ability to make relatively low-cost health interventions, for example, that will have a lot of impact. So some of the charities that are promoted for, for helping humans uh, are uh, things in global health, like anti-malarial bed nets, uh, deworming. Um, one of the interesting charities is something called Give Directly, um, which uses mobile payment systems just directly send money to uh, the poorest people uh, that in the world that have access to these mobile payment how, how systems. Do they, how do they get that? They, they uh, typically uh, will do things like uh, they'll have one phone across 100 people in a, in a community and they're heard, able to send to that. I heard, I think it was Bill and Melinda Gates talking about this. Yeah. Yep. Is that possible? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a, a, you know, a hot topic and the, you know, the, I guess the kind of order of development is, uh, happening at a different, you know, place there where, uh, you know, there's no running water, but there, there's access to cell phones. Um, so that's a good example of effective altruism. They set up this mobile system where anybody can open their phone mm -hmm. and give. And can, it uh, can give directly, you know, directly to the poor people. Now, uh, one of the things they, that they try to do is always, because effective altruism is really focused on evidence and reason, and so they try to incorporate a lot of follow-up studies and get a lot of data about how what's actually happening in the communities. Um, and this is something I really like about the, the movement is that the there's a lot of uh, leeway or, or people are, are very comfortable relative to my normal experience with saying, okay, that thing that I thought before was wrong and now I'm going to change my mind. And Wait, people are admitting they're wrong? It's, it's nuts. It's like, <laughs> 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 they'll, I mean, half the time you can't even get their opinion out of them because they're like, 
well, I'm not an expert in this. And they, they get a lot of qualifiers. Yeah. So like, right. uh, there's just an intellectual honesty about the, about the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain, wait, you were saying, uh, about Peter Singer and I was really interested in that philosophy. Did I cut mm. that off? Cause that was pretty well, interesting. Well, so, uh, you know, I think that his kind of his, this thought experiment, this drowning, you know, drowning pool, uh, I just like the idea of a thought experiment. That was the exact words that stuck yeah. with me. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's something that's something that I you know, I think kind of sat there and it it was kind of a I think that, you know, that example is something that gets taught in you know, ethics one oh one and yeah. it's kind of it's kind of uh presented as like, Oh, this is a really interesting thing, like, whoa, mind blown, you know? Yeah, it makes you feel immediately guilty. Yeah, you feel like <laughs> and then you're like trying to reach in for ways to like to sort that out. Uh and I you know, I think well, basically, it was you know picked up, and um, you know folks like Will McCaskill and Toby Ord and you know uh, Robin Wil Wilbin said, uh, you know, wh why don't we actually do something with this? You know, so why don't we actually follow this to its uh, logical conclusion, and you know, actually take action to uh, to square our lives a little more with uh, what we should be living up to, um, and that's kind of an, the origin of. Uh, yeah, some of this thinking anyway. It is. So they're all these meetups are all over the world or just the country? Uh so they're most I, I would say they're most in the I, I forget what the last survey is, it's online somewhere, but the UK, Australia, the United States, uh are probably the biggest uh groups. Uh Germany has some some folks, France, Canada. Is the Gates um, Foundation aware of this? Uh, I believe they are. Yeah. So they're, they're, I think of them as a fairly effective group. Uh, I think that they are, I don't know how much they have been really hands-on, um, uh -huh. you know, and really, uh, kind of coordinated with any of the, uh, effective altruism people, but, um, they, you they know, did go on some pretty mainstream television shows and talk about this mobile system. Yes. Yeah. So they're like, they would have. They have a lot of overlap, so they're, you know, let's cure malaria, let's, you know, let's do this, and yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of overlap. You know, they also do things like fund U.S. schools, um, which I think is, uh, you know, noble. But I think it's, I don't think there are many EAs who think that's the highest uh, use of the marginal dollar to. Um, so our e EAs. Oh, that's the uh, that's the shorthand. Yeah, I, got, I picked yeah. up that acronym. <laughs> <laughs> Get ready for some more. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, these days we got to be aware of all the acronyms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you are looking to help the most needy, yeah, I guess most of your work wouldn't even be done in this country. I think that's that that's true, and uh, you know, I think also a lot of effective altruists would argue that a lot of your work wouldn't even be done with people who are alive today. So there are two other main cause areas, besides from, from global poverty, um, that receive most of the attention. Um, one of those is uh, animal suffering. Um, oh, so, so this is not only human. This it's is not only, yeah, definitely not only human. So okay. um, Wait, uh, so does that mean effective altruists are vegetarian? Uh, there's a strong, yeah, there's a strong thread of caring about animal, animal suffering, animal right. rights uh, within the movement. 
part of the reason is uh, Peter Singer also wrote a book, uh, Animal Liberation. Um, so he was a very early advocate um, in philosophy for the idea that there's not really many things that, that separate humans and other species that would justify the way that we treat animals, uh, especially in commercial agriculture. Um, mass, you know, the, mass, yeah, yeah. Yeah, industrial ag agriculture is yeah. some pretty... Pretty rough, uh, yeah. The pretty rough truths about what's what's going on there, you know. So, it's another area where he pointed out kind of this, in, you know, inconsistency. And you know, there are different ways that people, you know, address that. They say, well, you know, animals can't talk, and they don't have this or that. But there, there aren't really, uh, for a lot of people, they don't think that there are really justifiable ones. In other words, if a if a person were unable to talk, uh, you know, if the section of their brain got popped out that you know didn't. You know, you you wouldn't say, okay, let's put them in a cage and you know and grind them up and grind them up. Yeah, so it wouldn't be justifiable, you know. So right. Um, and then, yeah, I think if you if you swapped, if you went to a slaughterhouse, yeah. and swapped all the cows that are crammed into that slaughterhouse mm. in line to go to the grinder, and you put those those all as people, mm. it'd be a pretty gruesome looking sight. Uh, yeah, I think you could say that's accurate. Yeah, probably worse than the Holocaust. I think, yeah, I think you would say that's right. I mean, I think there's, you know, the scale of uh, industrial farming and and the kind of distance of its reality from the reality that's on the picture of the milk carton or you know whatever it is of a happy farm there. The, yeah. You know the distance there is uh, is fairly great. Yeah, or like a, a chicken farm where they chop the beaks off. Exactly. And yeah. Throw the chicken. Yep. And then and then you just get a chicken nugget and mm -hmm. it's a deliciously breaded, fried thing. Yep. You don't. You're out of touch with that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and there are you know other arguments that when we're looking at. You don't. So you don't necessarily need to value a chicken as high as a human to say that this is actually a massive problem. And I think, I think effective altruists are going to look at that, you know, in, in a sense of, you know, how do I value a chicken relative to a human? Very difficult question, obviously. Right. Um, but then also, are there things that we can do to improve the lot of, of these animals? Yeah. Um, and when we're, when we're looking at this, you know, what are the, what are the highest impact uh, places that we can, we can approach this? So within the animal rights movement, for example, uh, there's a lot of focus on chickens specifically. Um, Why? Because they're the most cruelly treated. They're very, yeah, they're very cruelly treated, and also um, the uh, number of individuals that are impacted is so much higher. So if you kill one cow, you can eat for you know a year, whereas right. I can sit down and eat a chicken, uh, you know, in a sitting if I want to, you know. Right. Um, so that yeah, they're just that the scale of it, and if you look at the numbers, you know, the the I think fish are are one of the ones that uh, people are very c concerned with just the scale. It's like trillions of fish. They don't even know how many how many fish we uh, consume every year. That's measured in pounds. It's just like tr literally a trillion <laughs> pounds of fish. Or something so if it's like a tiny little fish, it could be like several fish per pound. A exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and each, those are each uh, life forms. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. you know there is a, a lot of uh, you know there's a lot of philosophical uncertainty there, right? And so you have to. I think, you know, ways that people will look at that is that, you know, you can think of things in ranges uh, or you can think of probabilities of, you know, if this, let's say, I, you know, I think there's a 50-50 chance that this is a conscious being. And uh, if it, so if it is a conscious being, 
this is the you know the impact that this would have if it's not uh and then if it's not then i would put my impact to zero but i can still look at that on an expectations basis and mm -hmm. and make my choices uh based on that so what's what's my expected impact you know i can't predict the future i don't know the answer to all these questions but um you know if i if i'm able to assign probabilities on my beliefs um or ranges then i can uh you know i can give give comparisons across multiple interventions that I might take. If I went to an effective altruism meeting, mm. what would I experience? Uh, it depends on where, where you go. So, I mean, I think... If I went to Germany, I'd be experiencing a lot of people talking German. Yeah, I think that's... <laughs> that's one difference. <laughs> that's like, yeah. Uh, so I think... I mean, I don't know anything about the German, like, yeah, but maybe if you go to the Germany one, it's like all philosophers or something like that, you know, and they're all just talking deep philosophy. And then if you go to, uh, you know, some other group that has a particular, uh, you know, maybe it's just founding members or emphasis, uh, they might be talking strictly about global poverty. If you talk, if you go to another one, they might be, you know, talking 80% about animal suffering. If you go to, right. you know, if you go to San Francisco, they're going to be talking about technology and, um, and how, and, how you can help in that, in those different sectors. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so is it, is it just a bunch of people speaking philosophically, kind of wanking philosophical? Yeah, or there's an aspect of that. <laughs> <laughs> or there, there are other actual plans and organization made to help. Yeah, so the, that is the primary focus uh, these days of, of the movement. Um, so there are, there's, uh, there are kind of, a, some of the organizing, there's a, a center for effective altruism. Um, oh, there's actually a center. So that's the, the name of the organization. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's a, you know, it's a loose, uh, central, uh, organizing group, but there are, there are others that, uh, that it, it's just the, the, the largest, um, seems like this is ripe for a leader to just come in and take oh, they, over. No, they got readers. They've got, they've got leaders for sure. I mean, really? it's, okay. it's, it's just, it's, I don't know. One of the things I would say about it. So I, so I get into this effective altruism thing and I, I go to one of these meetups and they're meeting at a bar and there's a guy, Chris, Christopher Jenkins, who's running it, uh, in New York. And I go to a couple of the meetups in the bar and it's kind of loud. It's tough to talk, you know? So I, I say, he, you know, he says, well, you want to, oh, I say, you know, I, I can uh, host one of these in my apartment if you want. Um, and so we, we start doing that. And then he kind of brings me in to try to do more planning and figure out, who, you know, who we can have speak and, um, you know, the, yeah, I just started organizing from there. And I had some friends who had no idea what, you know, what effective altruism was. And uh, I had, I asked them, I said, uh, can you go around and talk to a few of these people and see if people are saying completely different, ask them what it is and see if they say completely different things or if everybody kind of, you know, is on the same page. Right. That's important. Yeah. And, and, and everybody basically said, you know, everybody says the same thing. It's this interesting kind of self-organizing, uh, uh, philosophy kind of philosophy. Yeah. And I, and I think with which at the same time allows for a lot of ultimate disagreement, you know, so you have, I mean, one of the big cause areas when I went to that first meetup, 
somebody starts talking to me about the artificial intelligence apocalypse that's coming. And I'm like, that's what are you trying? That's not effective. That's just we're like, we're, we're supposed to be looking at studies of like deworming kids and stuff like that, you know? Right. Uh, you know, but then you listen to these folks and all right, maybe, you, have, you know, there's a pretty good point there, you know? And so while I'm not going to be an AI researcher, I think I have a lot of, um, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for what they're doing and I have a lot of, uh, you know, o openness to the fact that, you know, they've looked really hard at this. A lot of people have spent a lot of time looking into this and so yes, they're looking this is at, a problem. Yeah. They're, lo they're looking at how AI could become a problem or how they can use AI to help the world. Uh, a little bit of both, um, but I think more of a focus on the, the types of problems that you might have. So they, if I, you know, if we kind of looked earlier at, um, you know, global poverty and animal suffering, I would say another, a third cause area is existential risk. So, um, you know, the kind of idea here is, look, I can save, you know, all of the poor kids in the world. If we get hit by a comet and the world blows up, what's, you know, what's the point? Right. right. Um, and so they're focusing on different areas and, and artificial intelligence is one that's been high profile um, within the movement. I think partly because of skill sets, you know, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, I think Nate, the nature of the philosophy that it's, you know, it's academic, it's, it's also quantitative. Uh, it attracts folks who are, you know, kind of logically oriented. And a lot of those folks are, uh, you know, San Francisco programmers and things like that. So, right. Well, you could say the mobile charity system that's been set up is a form of AI. Uh, how's that? Because it's just like, they're almost the giving mm -hmm. is almost an artificial intelligence. I'm handing my money over. There's a certain auto automated aspect. It's automated, it. and then all of a sudden, I'm just I click the app or whatever, yeah. and the money goes to a person in some distant country. Yeah, I mean, I I, I kind of think of the the benefits of the whole movement to me to start off with is like, okay, I don't have to read into all this stuff. I, I read. You know, you I read read twenty pages of what you wrote. You, all right, I think you're on top of this. You, why don't you go ahead and do that? Right, right. And I'll just if you 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 know if you tell me that's the best place to go for it, yeah, you guys figure it out. Like I'm not gonna. So what what stuff have you done uh, as a result of being an effective altruist? So I, I'm I'm kind of on the uh, earn to give. This is kind of that model where you're earn to give, earn to give. Yeah, a and, certain percentage of your earnings go. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, being part of the movement has kind of affected or changed for me is it's made me increase how much I've, I've, I've donated. So I've kind of started giving, you know, 5% and then 10% and you, know, you kind of gradually up it and, and kind of see where the pain starts to kick in. If, you know, if any, um, the pain of, uh, having less, you having, mean? yeah, having less. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, you know, it's something weird and, uh, counter, it doesn't feel, it feels very not right to be like writing that check. You know, it, there's something kind of scary about it. You know, some, some, some lizard brain thing of like, uh, uh I shouldn't be doing this. Um, well, because it's like deeply embedded in us to have um, as much security as we can. Yeah, I think that's right. And yeah. money is security. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, well, a good example is, you know, one year I was giving 20% and then I, I spent uh, six, six months kind of between jobs and was, you know, looking for a gig. 
but I, I donated the same amount. So I was like, okay, now I'm giving 40%. And I'm like, okay, so I guess it doesn't hurt that bad. And so I've kind of stuck at that, at that level. So 40, at 40%. About 40% now, yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, I'm in, uh, you know, financial software and stuff like that. So it's, uh, so it's easy to calculate. <laughs> I think, yeah, first of all, I got a great app for it. Uh, second of all, it's, you know, it's not really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what am I going to do with that money? You know, it's like there's, you know, I have kind of at a enough of a place where you know I I don't really have massive overhead. I don't have the Lamborghini that I need to, you know, be servicing and stuff. So it's and you're a you little know, too young for a midlife crisis. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like getting there, almost there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Forty percent of your income you give away, and do you uh, research where to give it? So in general, not so much. In general, I uh, just I basically tell Givewell, hey, good luck, guys. Like you know, you guys. That that's kind of what I, what I've been doing. And I added uh, an animal uh, charity a couple years ago, uh, the Humane League, uh, that run corporate campaigns uh, to improve welfare of animal um, of, of farm animals. Mm-hmm. Are you um, vegetarian? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm kind of a best efforts vegan, I, I would say, okay. you know, so yeah. I, I try to keep, uh, I try to keep a, I try to kind of push in that, in that direction yeah. and, uh, you try and to keep Tyson. myself out. Is that what you're saying? Mike Tyson's a vegan too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. <laughs> in yeah. case like, I know there's like a thing with vegans, like it's not masculine or anything. Mm. But hey, Mike Tyson's a vegan. Yeah, I think the Houston, uh, the Texans or something like they had half their team vegan uh, last season. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely Brady has a whole vegan thing. Although I don't think he totally is, but it's uh, yeah, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's a word that needs to be rebranded a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about the Humane League is like they're kind of they don't fit the mold of of what you'd picture. Um, I think the whole image around it is, is changing and. Um, yeah, they're just kind of badasses, you know, like they're just sort of, mm-hmm. I, one of the, I went to one of their parties in, in DC and there was some sort of after party and I asked somebody for a ride and they were like, no, what are you talking about? Like, it was like almost like a, just a regular party. Like, <laughs> like weirdo. No, you can't just like get in my car, take an Uber. <laughs> well, wow. wow. That was, that's a surprise. Yeah. And I just loved it. Cause it's, you know, that whole, I think. You know, you need the Mike Tysons to be, you know, behind it to have. Right, like, right, right. I, mean, I don't know if he's the best, you know, spokesperson for it, but yeah. there needs to be. What do you think of, or what does uh, a group like that think of the smart meat that's coming? Uh, they really like it. Yeah. Behind, uh, they're behind it. Yeah, very much behind it. Um, so smart meat is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's meat that's actually cl- made from cloned cells. Yeah, so clean clean meat, I think, would, uh, is, is, the term I've heard more often, but yeah, so it's, that's good. Uh, it sounds less like a smartphone. So yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so it's made with clone cells. It's, uh, and it's not an actual animal that's growing. You're just growing the meat parts. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more efficient. Uh, it's safer. There's a lot of, uh, you know, foodborne pathogens that, uh, are happen in the, in the, uh, production of meat. Um, it's also something, you know, we have the antibacterial, resistance and things like that so there's a lot of a lot of parts of the process that are are not good for us obviously not good for the animals that you're removing uh by growing just the meat um using this new technology right it can get rid of mad cow disease completely uh yeah yeah exactly right because mad cow is caused 
when you because it usually happens in hamburgers mm. when it's like a a cow like the has brain matter is like ground up in there is yeah is something like that yeah because when you eat a hamburger you're eating it could be hundreds of different cows right yes which is always appetizing to think about right? <laughs> <laughs> uh and, you know and then there's other innovations in that space so um you know, the Impossible Burger, for example, are you familiar with this? I've heard of that. What is that? So that's a plant-based uh, burger that is, uh, they've done a lot of science and research to try to figure out what is that je ne sais quoi of meat and reproduce that using plant uh, material. Um, so it's so not... it's like a super veggie burger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's famous for, for bleeding, apparently. That was, that's what Ooh, it it's... Oh. Yeah, it's, there's a, some red so, juices in there. So it's made from vegetables, but yes. it's... Uh, manufactured, dare I say, mm. to taste like hamburger. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Right. See, yeah. I've been a vegetarian my whole life, and it's only because I just never, ever, even as a baby, liked the flavor of meat. Okay. That's easy then, huh? It's easy, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, you, you might be at a table, a dinner table with people that aren't vegetarian, and they automatically think, oh, you got judgments about me and eating my meat. Uh-huh. And that's never comfortable. Yep. So I have to, I give that, oh, I just never like the flavor. Yeah. But I really do like the side benefit of the fact that I've really have never killed an animal or very rarely mm -hmm. have. Yeah. I'm responsible for very little death. Yeah. Relatively. Relatively, yeah. And, you know, I think that's for, for me when I think about, you know, m veganism for me, I, you know, I'm not exactly a vegan. I, I, you know, I think one of the things I try to do, one is, uh, you know, I try to remove myself and, from the situation. In other words, it's not really about my personal purity here. This is about, you know, how can we move from this food system that's that's awful to something that's that's good. And so, I, you know, I think the levels of the cost associated with uh, improving the lives of, uh, of farm animals is really so low on an individual basis that, you know, if I'm spending a whole bunch of time removing that last creamer from a coffee at a conference or you know it's just it's you know i should just go out there make the money donate it and and uh you know and, and move on right that would be a more effective yes yeah exactly i and I, and i think the other thing is that it's actually very hard to live purely in a purely vegan way so you know if you think of um you know just just tillage for a farm that makes grain there are a lot of uh, rodents and, and, and animals that are being ground up in that process, right. uh, as well as, you know, land that's being uh, dispossessed, uh, you know, yeah, animals dying that way. So, you, yeah, it's really, you know, you can't live a perfect life, you know, you're just trying to get kind of closer. Right? Yeah, you get closer. It's not like that argument, well, then you're doing that, so you might as well not do anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a stupid argument. Yeah. So... What can I do? What's a, what is this mobile system called? Well, so that uh, that organization uh, is called Give Directly. It, that's um, the name of it. That's that's the name of one of the charities that uh, that GiveWell recommends. Okay. So I would, I mean, I would recommend uh, go to GiveWell. Um, one word. One word. Uh, go to Animal Charity Evaluators. Okay. Um, and so th those are places that you can donate. Uh, I think another thing that is uh, probably under-publicized is that you know, some of the biggest impact things that can be done now are for people who have the correct skill set and can fill 
really high demand roles within the within the organization within the movement. Like what? What would that be? Uh, so you know they're very specific. So for example, something like a food scientist. Um, Ooh, right. Yeah. So you know there was there, there's a lot of times you go to this job board. It, it can be a little bit. Uh, the skills are very specific, right? So you're like, oh great, eight new jobs posted. Let's go take a look. And it's yeah. like, okay, food scientist, industry lobbyist. You know, like it's like all these like really like uh, specific and unique things. And they, you know, they change based on what's needed. So is effective altruism, are they, they have lobbyists as well? Uh, no, I don't know what the, uh, do they have lobbyists? So there's, there is a criminal justice reform, um, project. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not sure the extent to which they've either used lobbyists or made grants to organizations that, you know, their primary activity might be, um, lobbying. Um, but I would say they're not averse to, um, yeah, you, you know, using political, you know, making impact in that way. Yeah. You can um, make a big impact that way. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think that, you know, one of the things, uh, they would want to see is, you know, they, they're typically picking off, uh, some sort of under, underfunded, um, yeah, under, uh, invested in type of, uh, you know, type of, uh, cause. So if they are, you know, if they are hiring a lobbyist, they're not going to, you know, lobbyists is, it's unlikely to say, you know, I want a uh, higher marginal tax rate just because, you, you know, there's just so much activity going on in that space. Right. You it know, wouldn't be the most effective. Exactly. Like, you know, whereas if you say, you know, I want to do something for, you know, w women offenders on nonviolent drug charges in this specific state because there is an election coming up or there's some sort of process right. that we can, you know, that that's the kind of level of detail. And, right. And so this is probably why you tend to find more intellectual, intelligent people, dare I say, as part of this organization. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I group. think that's, yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly a, I, you know, I think that folks have found effective altruism, you know, through, and it's, you know, so there is kind of a filter or a self-selection that, that, that takes place. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't think that, I don't, I don't think of it as a, you know, like snobby kind of right. group or anything like that. I just think it's, it's like the folks who have, yeah, typically there's, you're someone who's reading a bunch of blogs and you've come across this thing on the internet and then you start reading about this thing and that thing, you know? So it's just, you know, it's just a little removed from playing Fortnite all the time. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, so there's a little self-selection there, yeah. So is there a solution to the baby drowning in the puddle? Uh... I, I could put you in touch with someone <laughs> who could go on for for hours and hours. I mean, I think, you know, I think there are a couple of solutions. So one is... Um, that example is uh, probably dated. Um, so if we look, if we're looking at actual cost to save a life, I think GiveWell estimates right now that it's about five thousand dollars to save uh, save a life in, a, in the developing world. Um, there are other knock-on benefits, and there there are different interventions that um, that you would have to choose between to say. Do I care more about improving the lives of people who who are here, or do I care more about saving someone who would die otherwise? Right. Um, so there are trade-offs, you know, in that in, in that space. So, I mean, I think that's aside, tricky. Yeah, it's a tricky. <laughs> 
this is basically the solution, you know, I think, but I, I mean, I think there are two ways you can either, you can either approach it. Um, you know, I think you can say, okay, we do have a responsibility to do something about this. Right. Um, or I think you, or I think you can say, we don't ultimately have a responsibility to save that drowning child, um, in the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm positive philosophers have come up with 15 different flavors of each of those, uh, right. you know, so, but yeah, you have to square you have to square it off somehow there, right? Yeah, because this really does create quite the conundrum. Yeah, especially when you're thinking, oh, I might want to get a new phone. Yeah, exactly. It just uh, creates a lot of guilt and thought. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, I, I mean, I think one of the things. I don't. I don't think this is the real state of the world, but it's sort of a thought of experiment that I have with. It's like, okay, so you want to you wanna do that. All right, I'll just get money. I'll give it to charity. Okay, what charity should I give it to? And then you go down these things, then you, you, know, you, 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 know, you start off by saying, oh, these charities are stupid, you know, and then uh, you know, I'm going to give to these better charities. But then you find out, well, if I, if I just you know, make a good web page, then I can in, attract more donors. You know? And then it's like, well, you know, the really big donors are like these, these ultra-rich foundations. And so maybe if I throw a little money to like U.S. education, they'll really plow some big money into right. the other thing. Um, and you know, one of the credits, so just as a thought experiment, it's the idea that you know, effective altruism might eventually just look like the Red Cross, even, you know, even though we're like, the Red Cross is not the best order. But then maybe after you go through all these steps of political influence and all of these things, you say, oh, actually, the Red Cross is the best thing to do, you know? Right. Or, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's really the, you know, the, the state of the world, but you can see how like, that simple experiment starts to get very complicated once it touches reality. Right. On a positive note, if you, do, if you are feeling some guilt about saying wanting to upgrade your phone, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, well, I am going to do this for myself. I'm going to upgrade my phone. But with that new phone, it's going to be faster, mm-hmm. more efficient. I'll be able to accomplish more, yeah. and therefore I can give more. Yes, yeah, and I think that's I think that's a healthy way to to, to think of it. I mean, I think it's I think if you frame it as an opportunity, um, that as opposed to a, a guilt type of thing. But you, you know, you basically have the opportunity. That I, you know, people have give, given this idea, idea that if you were um, to save a, you know, a child from a burning building or something like that, you know, that would be the greatest accomplishment of your life. You know, you kick down the door, you come running out with a child. You right. know? And, and basically all of us have the ability uh, to do that and, and for, you know, fairly short money. Um, you know, if you were to give, you know, let's say it's 500 bucks a year, um, you know, 10 years from now, you would have done that and that would be uh, something that you would accomplish. You saved so a life. You saved a life. 5,000 yeah. bucks. Exactly. Um, and those numbers are, you know, subject to, of course, you know, whatever. Some <laughs> lives are more valuable than others. <laughs> Just read. You're going to want to read the, yeah, there's, there's about 180 pages of uh, blog posts you're going to want to read to get the full, you know, the, <laughs> the fully asterisk and qualified version of that. But yeah, no, there are great opportunities out there to do a whole heck of a lot with not a ton of, uh, of resources. Well, I like this philosophy because it is a good thing to think about if you did want to buy yourself stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to buy a nicer car, for example, okay, well, then you could use that nicer car to travel further to give to somebody, Mm -hmm. or maybe you'll get to your destination faster or whatever. Yeah. So it's a good kind of give and take. Yeah. And I I think another thing is, you know, if, if you're looking at this, I I think people have done this where they they say, I'm going to live on rice and beans and I'm going to be a banker. And then if, you know, and then if you wash out three years later, 
then that you know that that was kind of a, a false economy, right? It's you didn't really save anything by buying the rice and beans if you were, uh, you know, if you had a nicer apartment or you chose a, a career that was more suited to you, then you actually could have done more, you know, made more impact over a longer term. Right. So I think you know I think there's you can take these things to to extremes, um, and I think if really a focus on the highest impact things that you can do and doing those mm-hmm. is the important thing and not to get bogged down into like, Oh man, like there's so much bad in the world. And like, I'm a bad man and right. Cause I'm going to go to happy hour and <laughs> drink like, my guilt away. Like, but then I'm spending more money and then, Oh no, that's ineffective <laughs> altruism. I, I don't think that works in the long term. Yeah. Right. Wow. This has been inspiring. And I personally want to thank you for giving 40% of your, uh, income that's that's very admirable uh yeah you're welcome yeah <laughs> and uh for the lives that you probably have saved a couple lives right now so thank yeah. you for them well you know I, I would say definitely folks if they you know folks should should look up um 80, hours i think is it would be a great organization mm-hmm. um you know there are some people for whom uh, it makes sense to go and uh you know do that earn to give and donate money right you know i think that the 80,000 hours, the concept is that in your career, in an average career, you have 80,000 hours. And so, you know, this, this site is targeted to, to kids who are coming out of school. They're looking at what to do with their whole career over their whole life and making, uh, you know, decisions that can be really of massively high impact. Um, and so I, I would definitely make, well, I would definitely want to highlight that focus that for, you know, folks who are, have specific skill sets or uh, folks who are, you know, getting out of school and looking at things that th- to do, that's a great resource they can use to, um, you know, to look And maybe, maybe it is become a banker and give all the money away, but maybe it's, you know, become a, uh, you know, become a uh, food scientist and, and figure out the next clean meat thing. So, yeah, that's, there's a lot of opportunity. And I do feel like the culture is leaning uh, a bit more altruistic in general. Yeah, I think that's right. The yeah. next generation seems a little bit more, aware of where the where their dollar is going they mm-hmm. want to support better companies buy better products yep yeah and i think there's a global uh you know there's a more of a global perspective these days you know i think people really are able to see stuff from all over the world and and get it's you know it's at your fingertips to get all this information about what's happening yeah um you know not just outside your door awesome thanks so much hey thanks for having me <laughs>